This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 13th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. There are many differences among liberals, conservatives, and libertarians in terms of political philosophy. The proper role of government in our lives is chief among them. Cato Institute Chairman Bob Levy, speaking at Cato University in California, detailed these differences and provided the key insight to the U.S. Constitution. I want to set a framework uh, and some brief comments on liberals and conservatives and how their views of the Constitution uh, and public policy differ from the libertarian views embraced by uh, my colleagues at the, uh, at the Cato Institute. And of course, when I talk about libertarianism, as this audience certainly knows, I'm not talking about <clears throat> the libertarian political party, uh, but to libertarianism as a political philosophy uh, that uh, focuses on free markets and private property, individual liberty, and and strictly uh, limited government. So we don't endorse candidates, as you know, at Cato, uh, or endorse uh, parties. And as you're going to soon hear, we're equally critical of both the Democrats and the Republicans. What we do have is a consistent, I'd call it a minimalist view, of the proper role of government. Conservatives will agree with us on some issues, uh, domestic, economic, regulatory, tax, fiscal issues, uh, liberals on other issues, uh, social issues, immigration, uh, some foreign policy issues. Now, the reason for that disagreement is because uh, liberals and conservatives both have, I think, an inconsistent uh, view of public policy and the law. And to illustrate that inconsistency, I want to posit this, this framework, and that is uh, the final two provisions of the Bill of Rights. If you understand the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, you understand the structure of the Constitution and you understand uh, the framework of the federal government. The Tenth Amendment, as you heard, tells us that government, the national government, can only exercise the powers that are enumerated in the Constitution. And if they're not enumerated, if they're not delegated to the national government, then they're reserved uh, to the states or uh, possibly even to the people. <clears throat> What kind of powers are we talking about? Well, you'll look in Article 1, Section 8, and you'll find them there. Things like the power to coin money, to establish post offices, to regulate interstate uh, uh, commerce. That amendment imposes a very tightly constrained um, framework for federal government. Libertarians and conservatives tend to agree on that tightly controlled framework, but there are a couple of key exceptions. And first is that a lot of conservatives, but not libertarians, are willing to federalize, and by that I mean assign responsibility to the federal government, a significant amount of both criminal and civil law. If you want an example in the criminal law area, just take a look at our totally feckless and, and, and futile uh, war on drugs, for which there is no enumerated power in the Constitution. You'll find a constitutional power to involve, for the federal government to be involved in certain crimes, like counterfeiting and piracy and, um, and um, treason. But you won't find any uh, authority for the federal government to get involved in in other crimes, like, for example, um, illicit drugs. And yet, because conservatives think that the prosecution of drug infractions is a very important thing, they are willing to have the Congress step in and do that. If you want an example in the civil law area, take a look at malpractice reform. Now, everybody thought that malpractice reform should have been part of Obamacare. That is, everybody on the right, but not libertarians. Conservatives said it should have been part of Obamacare. Why? Because we really do need malpractice reform. Libertarians ask a different question. The question is, where in the Constitution do you have authority for the federal government to get involved in malpractice reform? 
Some conservatives say, well, it's a regulation of interstate commerce. If you know anything about malpractice, you know typically it's an in-state patient suing an in-state doctor for an injury that occurred all within one state. It's a very difficult thing for malpractice to morph into uh, interstate commerce. And yet, because conservatives perceived of that as an important public policy goal, they were willing to have uh, the federal government um, intervene. The libertarian view is quite simple. No matter how worthwhile the goal is, no matter how much Congress thinks that it has identified a big problem and knows how to fix it, the libertarian position is if there's no authority in the Constitution, the federal government has to step aside and leave that matter up to uh, the states or even better, uh, up to private uh, parties. Uh, there's a second area with respect to powers of government where conservatives and libertarians differ, and that is concentrating national security power in the executive branch. Libertarians remind their conservative friends that too much unchecked uh, authority in the hands of the executive threatens the notion of separation of powers, which has been a centerpiece of the Constitution uh, for two and a quarter uh, centuries. So the executive branch may not unilaterally by itself, I'm sorry to say I mean most particularly the George W. Bush uh, executive branch, the executive branch may not um, set the law, that's not an executive function, it's a legislative function. Prosecute infractions, it can do, because that is an executive function, but then it may not, after the fact, determine whether its own activities have complied with the Constitution. That is not an executive function, it is a judicial function. So that's the powers of government perspective, centered on the Tenth Amendment and the separation of powers doctrine. Now I mentioned the Ninth Amendment as well, it doesn't address powers uh, the Ninth Amendment addresses rights and says that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights doesn't mean that those are all the rights we have. We have lots of other rights that we had before the Constitution was written, indeed before governments were even formed, and we still uh, retain those rights. Now that amendment imposes yet another very powerful discipline on federal behavior because what it says is that even if the federal government is exercising its legitimate powers in accordance with the Tenth Amendment, that is the powers that are enumerated, even if it's following the dictates of the Tenth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment goes a step further and says you may not exercise even those legitimate powers in a manner that violates our rights. And the Ninth Amendment instructs if you want to know which rights can't be violated, they're not just the ones that are enumerated, like speech and religion and protection against unreasonable searches. They are the unenumerated rights as well, which in the libertarian view would include such things as the right to gamble, for example, or the right to uh, smoke marijuana. Now note that the presumptions underlying the Ninth and Tenth Amendment are exactly opposite one another. And again, if you grasp that, you grasp the Constitution. <clears throat> the Tenth Amendment says if the power isn't there, the government doesn't have it. The Ninth Amendment says merely because the right isn't there doesn't mean that individuals don't have it. Individuals have this broad range of rights, pre-government, pre-Constitution, that they retained after the Constitution was written. So if you want to identify a single constitutional uh, provision that separated libertarians from conservatives, uh, it would be the Ninth Amendment. The conservatives uh, treat the Ninth Amendment, and I'm now using uh, former Judge Robert Bork's memorable term, as an inkblot, he says the Ninth Amendment should be ignored. Nobody knows what it means. It's as if somebody spilled ink on the portion of the Ninth Amendment which would have identified uh, these unenumerated rights that the libertarians uh, insist uh, that we have. Of course, the libertarians think that the Ninth Amendment means something. 
Uh, they argue that it refers to our natural rights, the rights that we had by nature, pre-government, and that we still retain. In short, these are all of the so-called negative rights. Now, a negative right is simply a right that, <clears throat> that simply obliges other people to leave us alone. Do not exercise force or fraud against us. As distinguished from a positive right, that would be a right, some people call it an entitlement, a right which, if exercised, imposes an affirmative obligation on other people. So let me see if I can flesh that out a little bit. Let's talk about the right to the pursuit of happiness. The right to the pursuit of happiness is a negative right. I can pursue happiness and I don't need your help. Simply stay out of my way. Do not use force or fraud against me. Suppose, however, I had a right to happiness. Now, this is not the pursuit of happiness, but the attainment, the realization of happiness. That imposes an affirmative obligation on each and every one of you, because if I have a right to happiness, bear in mind, if I say I have a right, it presupposes I have a remedy. That is, if my right is violated, I can do something about it. If I have an enforceable right to happiness, at a minimum, it would require that none of you do anything that would make me unhappy. And if you did, of course, I could get a redress, uh, typically by going to court and, and, and litigating. Now, these positive rights, the ones we're used to dealing with, uh, the concrete positive rights that we hear all the time about, are things like welfare, minimum wage, uh, health care, education, housing, and, and the like. These, if I have a positive right to housing, somebody somewhere has the obligation to provide me either with a house or the means by which I can, provide, I can purchase that house. Typically, it's done through the, through the tax code. And of course, these positive rights are integral to the liberal view of the proper role of government. And since I've been critical of the conservatives, let me be an equal uh, opportunity critic. Positive rights typically require compulsion. Because if people don't want to fulfill the affirmative obligations imposed upon them by private rights, government has to step in and force them to do so, again, typically uh, through the, the tax code. So liberals embrace these positive rights, and that's why liberals embrace big government. But paradoxically, in the post-9-11 environment, uh, we're hearing from liberals about one set of positive rights uh, where big government can't be trusted. And that is this trade-off between national security and civil liberties. All the other positive rights, liberals don't seem to have any concern about. Why is it uh, that uh, big government can't be trusted when it comes to the trade-off between national security and civil liberties, but the left embraces big government when it comes to control over our retirement system, our welfare system, uh, our public schools, and regulations of our private economy. Why hasn't the left's, I think, healthy uh, distrust of big government when it comes to civil liberties extended to support for privatized social security or school choice or uh, the elimination of regulations that seem to control everything from uh, the ergonomics of uh, office equipment to the size of a, of a uh, naval orange. Why is it that the liberals can't see past two particular agencies of government when they are worried about too big a government? All the other agencies are fine, but not the Defense Department and not the Justice Department. Any other agency can get as big as it wants, and the liberals are not concerned by that. But when it comes to defense and justice, oddly enough, the two agencies that indisputably are charged with a legitimate function of government, and that is to protect us against domestic and foreign uh, predators. So imagine if the Congress were to delegate to the Justice Department, particularly if it was still under um, 
Ashcroft or, or Gonzalez. Uh, the power to pass regulations regarding this trade-off between national security and civil liberties. People on the left would be apoplectic, and they would have every right to be. It's not the job of the Justice Department to pass these regulations. And perhaps Congress gives the Justice Department this guideline, keep us safe from the terrorists. Folks on the left would object, rightly so. But when the same Congress delegates to the Environmental Protection Agency the power to, to enact regulations regarding the trade-off between economic growth and a clean environment, and it gives the EPA no more guidance than keep us safe from pollutants, the folks on the left applaud enthusiastically. So is it the case that pollutants are a greater threat than terrorists? Not likely. Uh, what is more likely the case is that this, the left has a selective indignation about uh, the role of big government, and that reflects an inconsistency. Uh, in the liberal mindset, just as there is, I think, an inconsistency uh, in the conservative mindset uh, on this proper role. And of course, that is the foundational question. What is uh, the proper role of government? And in assessing that, the Constitution can, in my view, be, be viewed through these two prisms. Uh, the Tenth Amendment prism uh, focused on the, the powers of government, and the Ninth Amendment prism focused on the rights of individuals and the libertarians uh, in a nutshell, view the powers of government very narrowly and the rights of individuals very broadly. And that, of course, was uh, precisely the vision of the framers. Bob Levy is chairman of the Cato Institute. You can get a copy of his co-authored book, The Dirty Dozen, at Cato.org.